0: what's good world you are now listening to another episode of the power post game report where we recap everything power book two season two ghost i uh, of course i'm always one half your host triple d and with me as always is this is carlos d what's good world we're back with another one we're back after the break it wasn't that long uh Failed I long i think they <laughs> it was <laughs> <Really>? three weeks <laughs> uh i think it didn't feel that long because of the holidays um, like I almost like posted in the group me like does power come back this weekend but I was like you know what let me not be lazy and check Google uh, it it didn't seem as long it, I, I don't know I think I'm, like I'm used to shows taking longer breaks in between Um, but this didn't feel super long to me at least I think you're right I think it's just because the combination of the two weeks they took off were Christmas and New Year's um, and they came back on the third week so for the most part, if you, unless you just don't have anything else to do, uh, you probably were busy with some type of events leading up to the holidays or going through the holidays. So that's probably what it was. You're not really thinking about power because you got other stuff going on. Yeah. So we're returning from a banger of a mid season finale, um, with a pickup episode done very, very well. Um, what, what were your expectations for this episode going into it. Uh, well, yeah, you never know how... Especially when they give you some some fire. They give you something strong. It's normal for it to come back down to Earth um, and give you something that's not as good. Um, but I think, like you were saying, this was a really good follow-up to that mid-season finale. Um, I think they did a good job of expanding the story, uh, keep uh, continuing to build on the world, and, and really giving us a chance to get into new characters, uh, especially Lorenzo. I mean, who was kind of like the... I'm going to say the start of the episode, it, it, you know, for lack of anything else, the start of the episode, he kind of really showed up. We'd only seen him in little bits and pieces, and now we really got to see more of his personality as a free man as opposed to just jailhouse counsel for his wife or, you know, just a quick little scene here where he was just kind of flexing on his power um, or, or his authority in the jail. So, I mean, it was strong to me. What'd you think? What's your quick takes? Uh, I'm with you going into it. You know, with this show and other shows, just like you said, sometimes I have a tendency to let up off the gas just a little bit. And although this episode wasn't as action-packed as the last episode, and rightfully it probably shouldn't have been, um, they did a great job of hitting us over the head with the events of last episode, and then using this episode to completely rearrange the playing field. Um all the pieces that we had on the, on the board have now been moved and we've got new pieces that have been added. Like everyone is in a completely different position than they were just an episode ago. And it was done very well. There's out of all the, the position flips, there was only one I wasn't a big fan of and we'll get to when we get to it. Um, but other than that, like I cannot praise this episode any higher. Um, I, there were no there were no low moments except for that one little that little one little asterisk, which is just me possibly nitpicking. Um but yeah, we got a lot to talk about in this episode. You ready to get in? Yeah, man. Let's get into the deep dive. Go for it. All right. So we pick up with a very, very trapped Monet, um, who looks all but defeated in the opening shot of her best laid plans pretty much getting blown up. Um she she was she, she almost had a way out. This is this is very similar to what what happened to Ghost every now and then where he was a couple of feet away from the finish line of, OK, I can finally get to where I, I want to be and not all of this crap that I've been trying. I've been handcuffed to like I've been trying to put behind me and it just, just to have it snatched away at the last second. Um, there's a party at the house and holy crap, there's a a, a lot happens in this scene. Um, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna rapid fire down, and um, we'll go into each moment uh, as we can, so we get the fact that Diana has ranked up. Uh, she she is the hero of this story at the moment because she did what she did to get her father home, and he uh, you know he praises her for it, which to a degree, in his eyes, it, it was you know she did she was she's the one on top. Uh, but you know, when you factor in what she did to get to do it, she, you know, she stole money from the family, which is like, is this a, you know, I don't even know what to call it, but like, is is was it the right thing to do for the right reasons or was it the wrong thing to do for the right reasons? But how did you feel about her pretty much ranking up, uh, old boy, kind of like pressing her out just a little bit, but also kind of showing respect to her as well as far as, you know, bossing up and getting her father out of jail. I mean, I, I mean the first thing, to just kind of comment on what you said about, was it the right move? I think in the eyes of Lorenzo, it's the right move. Uh, whether it's the right move for the entire family, I don't know. But uh, in his mind, you know, he thought he was going to be in jail for the rest of his life. Uh, I think he had a life sentence. And then the fact that she got him out, um, I, I think he's going to be applauding her no matter what the means were. And he did. He, he, he uh, publicly showed her praise by telling her you, she did what all the rest of y'all couldn't do. And then on top of that, also put her above even the mother uh, in the sense that the mother wanted, you know, kind of Diana to play host to go grab some stuff. And he was like, no, you got that. Leave her alone. So I think he was kind of rearranging the family structure and showing Monet that she ain't the top dog no more. Like she, and I think this was a thing that we saw throughout this entire episode, Monet in the position that she hasn't been in through the course of the series. Through the course of the series, she's always been the one. You know, everybody's afraid of her. Everybody does her beck and call. And this scene um, started a theme throughout the entire episode where that's not going to be the case no more. And we got to see how she's going to adjust to this change in dynamics. For the last 10 years, she's been the one. And now that Lorenzo's home, he's making it very clear that, you know, he doesn't even do a good job of it. While he kind of appreciates what she did to keep the family moving, now that He's home. He don't care about none of that because he's in charge, and she's just gonna do nothing but be a a wife or a mom, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so that, that's kind of what I got the most out of this this scene. Like I said, a lot happened in it, and I don't know if we can go through like each little thing, but it was a lot in this scene that really kind of showed yeah. that dominance was coming, and whether the you know, everybody's gonna have to start playing a different role, yeah, because Lorenzo calls the shots in this family. Oh yeah, which you know brings me to the next, inch, you know, kind of overall issue is uh tension there was a ton of tension displayed within a good three to five minute span which was really good which shows it just like man this is this just shows how wild that uh a house party can get without without actually getting wild uh tons of tension we get zeke meeting lorenzo which the way they were introduced you'd have thought they'd never met before which i guess monet did her best to keep him Away from that, you know that part of the family. But like, the fact that like Lorenzo first pulled up on him, like he was, you know, well, I, I don't know why he was dressed like he was going out in Miami. I, I didn't I didn't understand the the outfit choice. Uh, but <laughs> it, it was it was Lorenzo pulling up on him, like you know, he is family. He's not part of the quote unquote, you know what I'm saying, family. But like that's. That's his, you know, that's Monet's nephew. Like, why would, you know, we know who he really is. But, like, the fact that he just kind of, he kind of strong-armed him in front of his boys and everything like that, followed up with the tension of Zeke seeing Lil Guap and Kane doing, like, the the whole little, oh, shit. Like, as they're walking up, you know, the head scratch. Like, ooh, hopefully this don't pop off or anything like that. Followed by uh, Drew also seeing Lil Guap and as well as uh, Everett, it it's a crazy crazy situation because if I'm Zeke, I'm like, what the, what the hell is this dude doing here? He tried to end my career. Um, if I'm if I'm if I'm Drew, I'm like, why is this dude in our house? Um, it was just that. What did you think about the 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 vortex of tension? Yeah, I mean, it was a lot. I think everybody was kind of like looking at each other uneasy or like not sure what was going on. Um, and I think a part of the Zeke thing. Kind of goes back into that how they aren't properly explaining this timeline correctly. Um, because I, I don't think he really knows Zeke as a man. You know, he knows Zeke from, you know, he's remember, he's been in jail 10 years. So, and they said Zeke didn't really come to live with them until high school. Now, I thought high school was only a couple of years ago, but now they're saying Zeke, like 23. High school was, you know, he the last time we have ever seen Zeke, would've, Zeke would have been like 13. So I understand him not recognizing a guy immediately who, has always been down south living with his family and kind of maybe have visited visit Monet every once in a while. Um so I understand, you know, why he was at first a little like apprehension because at first he went to them like, yo, this is a private party. I don't even know why you even in this place. Right. Um before Monet was like, oh no, remember this is he, you know, my nephew. Um and then as far as the other stuff, uh, you know, they did a good job of just kinda all the little glances at each other, the little side eyes everybody was giving each other. They did a really good job of framing this scene and building attention without a lack without a lack of actual dialogue. Yeah. it was all about the body language it was all about the looks that they was giving each other um, so I think whoever was the director for this particular episode did a really good job of framing the scene and setting up the uneasy um, balance amongst this entire family um, and then the outsiders as well everybody is justifiably right to be upset in a way uh, Lorenzo I don't know why he would have a, this animosity towards Zeke but I think a part of that was the fact that Monet he thought Monet was maybe too having Zeke too involved and not really ignoring the family, especially the part when, you know, she wanted to mortgage the house to save him and all that type of stuff. So I think he's kind of holding on some of that, that kind of resentment. Um, and then of course we already know why the other people are upset. Everett was out there tonight. Zeke almost got his knee blown off. Uh, Lil Guap and the GTGs was the ones that did it. Um, and then we also thought that that GTG thing was dead. So why is bringing this guy to a party when uh, according to Monet, they weren't even their distributors no more. You know, the beef was fully on. Um, so, you know, great, great job with this just opening scene to really set the tone for what would end up being a really powerful episode, a really good episode all, all around. Yeah. So we we get Kane seeing that Drew has pretty much been named next up, uh, which just you know the craziness of of life, of how that's all Kane has ever wanted. And it's the last thing Drew's ever wanted. But the thing about this scene that kind of stuck out to me is as reluctant as Drew is with this, um, he obviously doesn't want to disappoint his father, but like, I'm really wondering if they're going to push at some point him willingly transitioning into it. Like maybe he, maybe he uh, can't keep Everett. So he just gives up on like normal life because as you, as you see, Monet is still, you know, pulling strings you know, dismisses Everett, which on the, you know, you want to see people be happy. It's kind of messed up, but also indirectly she's saving Everett's life Um, because yeah, it is, it's wild in their life. It's wild in that world. And grand scheme of things. No, it's not a good thing for him to be around Drew, especially right now when his dad is, is really pushing him to get deeper and deeper into this um we like like i said we also get uh lorenzo borderline like you just like you spoke to uh relegating monet back to like damn near servant status not even a housewife at that point because he was really kind of talking to her like like she was the help Mm -hmm. and old boy was got mad comfortable too uh which i think we're gonna see more of him I think his name was Kino or Kimo uh, Kino. I think. Yeah. Yeah. You know, asking for more chicken and stuff like that, but like kind of being smug about it a little bit, a like, little too comfortable. Man tell. Yeah. yeah. Like do what, do what your man says. So <laughs> that, that's going to be an interesting, that's going to be an interesting play. Um, what did you think about that before we get to the, the family, the family, you know, shake up Well, not shake up, but like the family hearts, the hearts in this, this particular scene. No, no, I think I think Alexa, I think you did a good job really recapping it as to just how the power struggle starting in the first scene. You know Lorenzo ain't been home, but a day what it seems like, and he's already shook up the entire family and kind of put them on, um especially Monet more than anybody in a very uncomfortable position. But not even Monet, Drew too, because we know you know we know as the viewer, you know Lorenzo might not know because he's been in jail for ten years, but we know as the viewer this ain't the life that really anybody other than Kane really wants. Kane wants to be tied heavy into the street. Diana don't want to do nothing but go to school. Everett don't want I'm not Everett um Drew don't want to be nothing but be with uh live his life openly and maybe do some art stuff. Um but they feel so obligated to their parents and their parents' dream of what their life well not dream but desire as to what their life should be and what is in their eyes best for the family that they get so caught up in it that um they kinda lose their own independence and their own their own desires. Uh, so that's what I really got out of these scenes. Because it was all about not what they want or asking them what they might want to or desire. It was all about this is our plan, this is my plan, and this, you guys are just going to be kind of like the, the, the means to get to that plan. Right. Um, we we get a little quick moment between uh, Lil Guap and and Kane where he's like, look, eyes is on me. Rightfully so. Rightfully so. You totally deserve the heat you catching right now. Uh, but he, he wants to he wants to make amends, uh, because he knows that if if you weren't already afraid of Cain, his father's even more scary. Um, <clears throat> any thoughts on that? No, I, I mean, I think they just kind of did it again to show how stupid Lil Guap is. Mm-hmm. Like, who asked a guy? They keep it telling this man, "What's up? This is obsession with Instagram. Like, you can't be a criminal and then also want to videotape every aspect of your life." And like he told him get the fuck out of with that picture shit man your father was about one thing and they still kind of remind him that's why Lil Guap even gets the little bit of respect that he do get because his dad used to be you know a name in the streets and then he's still about this fuck shit uh, when it comes to wanting to be popular or wanting to showcase things as opposed to just about getting this business and getting this money so I don't, I, I'm starting to think Lil Guap I, I'm surprised he's been less this long he can't be long for this world they're they going to get rid of him soon because he just he's too yeah. too goofy and then, you know, it, it makes me wonder if, because, yeah, like you said, he, he's going to go down, like, without a doubt. But I wonder how much, if any, damage he's going to be able to pull off. Um, so we get our happy family scene, but before that, we got to have a talk between Monet and uh, Lorenzo about, um, you know, the kids and whatnot. And this was a very, very good bit of dialogue between the two of them. Um, because he was right about Diana, but he was, he was partially right about Kane way off about Drew. Um, well, I, and honestly, not necessarily that he was wrong about Drew. He on paper drew is the best choice. Um, like he said, Diana does not belong in this life, which I'm pretty like, it's going to put her higher up in her Well, it's going to put him higher up in her in her eyes, because that's what she's been trying to go through since she's been introduced. And Monet's been the only one that's like, nah, you about to be in this life. Um, He kind of simplifies Kane Um, Kane in many aspects when you when we first meet him. Yeah, he fits that bill. Like as long as people fear me and I'm respected and I get to do wild shit whenever I want, I'm good. But he doesn't realize that Cain has developed aspirations over, over the years. And the biggest revelation was that, yeah, he picked up very quickly that one, he knows Drew is gay or bisexual. We don't, I don't know if they've ever like fully confirmed one or the other. Um, but he didn't seem that upset about it. Aside from him, you know possibly you know being involved with someone who could you know, bury them, he didn't seem upset about the fact that he he, he just kind of picked up like yeah, I know, which progressive, and I appreciate that. Um and this of course breaks way to, you know, our happy family moment. We get breakfast in bed, uh the blatant disrespect of her not even attempting to make any for uh <laughs> for Monet. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, you got your sons talking trash about your outfits father replying in kind. And uh yeah. Just a, a big happy family moment. Um, what did you think about that? Yeah, I think that's just kinda what it was. I think uh Diana was definitely disrespectful on you know, who brings somebody to bed? And then she just said, I don't think you'll be hungry. Trey. Like who don't wake up hungry? Right. Like what? Yeah. So it was just kinda but I think, you know, once again how Monet's turned into an afterthought even in the eyes of the kids, you know, is everything. Everybody is catering to the dad. Everybody is like, "Daddy's home." You know, now he's our new favorite. Um, and I think part of that's probably the way Monet treated them over the last ten years. Like they haven't had to, they haven't had to endure the abuse of Lorenzo like they have Monet because he's been gone. So he hasn't had to do the tough things or make these tough decisions or be hard on them like their mom has just to keep the family floating. Um, so I think. Um, I mean it's understandable but I, I, I kind of felt bad for Monet in the scene I guess it's the and I think that's the design they want us to kind of feel bad for Monet, even though we've seen her do a lot of heartless things uh, yeah. because you know now she's went from a position of, of ultimate power to she doesn't even know she has really a place in this family other than you know his wife or or just taking care of home uh, so I think that's kind of what, what we showcase in this scene the, um, the dynamics is just more of the, of the shift and change in, in the Tejada family. So this brings, excuse me, this scene breaks way to uh, our first of trial proceedings. Janky lawyers doing their best to get Tariq out on bail and him rightfully frustrated because he didn't kill the police officer. Pause for the fact that, yes, he did kill someone. He just didn't kill the police officer. He So he's not lying. So he's right to to outburst, but also like, you know, you got to you got to keep you cool in court. Um, any particulars on that? As far as you know, the way Davis handled it. Um, as far as you know, they already tried to get one black man. They're trying to get another one. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about the stinger that no one came to court for him? Man, I mean, that's not shocking. Who does he have? He got a little sister who you know's too young to come to court. He got a drunk grandma, and then Lauren. And he makes it, you know, known later in the episode, we'll get to that one scene when we talk about it, that Tyreek is alone in this world. We we forget his daddy, his father's dead at his own hands. His mom is off in witness protection. Uh, his twin sister's dead. He doesn't have anybody. Um, so it's not shocking. Like, who who would be there for him? Uh, he's he's kind of gone out of his way to destroy his family. Um, not on purpose, but. If you really look at the scenes, or going back to the old series, Tariq is a, is directly involved with it. his entire family being destroyed. He imploded that family um, through his own ambition, his own not wanting to follow his father's direction. And so he don't want nobody else. He don't have anyone to blame but himself for the situation. So, you know, I'm not shocked that he has nobody. Who, who would be there? Mm-hmm. So, um, they pretty much tell like, look, you, they, you, you're being charged with killing a cop. You're not getting bail, um, but there are ways around this. You get a another a smaller judge to kind of release you, or maybe house arrest or something like that, and you can make it work. And they drop the word influence and tie it to Rashard Tate. So, again, I think that uh, along with Tariq's escapades and whatnot this is going to be the vehicle that gets, um, Tate's show running. Um, but we got to get him to a certain point where he can carry the show. So I think, you know, they're just kind of sprinkling little crumbs here and there. Uh, he, he flexed his quotation mark influence with the, um, the child services lady and we'll see it again that he uses his wait for it influence, uh, to get the judge on his side. Um, so from there we go to the, the bar that's been renovated um, I just thought about the fact that they did it without their foreman because you know Monet killed him mm-hmm. uh, we get Lorenzo pretty much trying to get right back to business um, making Kane jealous by pushing Drew along and pushing Kane away a bit um, how did you feel about that scene I mean I think the scene showed you know a lot of different aspects of it um like i said he did he, he he definitely knows how to manipulate his children um because I, I don't think he wants kane out of the way but i think he knows that if he kind of props drew up it'll make kane more i don't know if obedient or more of to fall in line well i might be overthinking it he may not give a damn what kane feels one way or another he just knows that this is what he wants so everybody needs to just kind of do it because that's what he wants um and then you saw a little bit especially his interaction with drew once he sent kane away um how Drew is definitely apprehensive about it, but also very eager to please his father. Because he went from not really wanting to kinda discuss it or kinda say, nah, you guys are home, um, you know, you and Mama around I don't really need to be all heavily involved because we got you. Um to when he felt a little bit uh, I guess his father's disappointment to immediately coming up with a plan about Keno or what they should watch Kino or do something to Keno just to kinda get a gold star from his pops or a pattern the head. Um, so, I, you know, I think it's all, all these scenes, are, especially all the earlier Lorenzo scenes, are just kind of setting up the dynamics between him and each individual person he deals with, whether it's Monet and him assorting his dominance over her. Uh, Drew, who he's trying to influence to be like him. Uh, Diana who's like his little baby girl, his little princess. And then Kane, who is um, I, I think he doesn't like you said earlier, doesn't think doesn't really see Kane more than a, like a, an attack dog as opposed to not realize his oldest son might be the most ambitious of them all. Um, So that's what I got out of. What would you think? Pretty much the same. Uh, um, As opposed to, you know, swapping out Drew being the most ambitious with the most capable. Um, As we see, um, he's, you know, as as reluctant as he is to be a part of this life, he's very quick on his feet as far as, like, okay. Um, And with strategy, like, very attentive because he he'd been looking into old boy which it's like a a sign to like well i may not want this job but if i gotta do it and this goes back to even before he was possibly gonna be taken over um if i gotta do it i'm gonna be i'm gonna be good at it which is you you can't knock that so it's like yeah grand scheme he is the perfect choice for it um and it it could very well be one of those things where he just doesn't want to want to disappoint his father um so we go from father son time to death to mother daughter time and it ain't as pleasant (laughs) monet is pressing diana about that money she took and why she did it and diana has gone full terrible teenage mode and just with the the wild kind of like talk back like not super wild but like for monet's house definitely wild gets choked up pinned against the the uh you know the bathroom wall and she's clearly you know still still in like what well, not all she still fears her without a doubt you know she been talking a little reckless but she she still fears her i don't think well i don't know i don't think money would actually kill diana i don't think it ever comes to that um what do you think of that scene and also the fact that up until like it was at this point and I was like, yo, they probably don't know Tariq's in jail. And we find out later, but I was like, that, like, that's a very, like, they haven't even mentioned him. They mentioned that they want They want course correct to stop, but they have no idea that he's been arrested. Um, what what did you think about that scene? I mean, yeah, I think uh, Diana was just finding herself a little too much like she forgot her place. And um, Monet, Ain't wanting to take a lot of disrespect, and she was just kind of running her mouth a little bit too strong, uh, and she got what a lot of what happens in a lot of uh, unfortunately mother. not nah, I shouldn't say a lot, but in in, in aggressive mother daughter relationships, I, I've known mothers and daughters to come to blows over smart mouths, or one the younger daughter thinks she's too cute, or the mother having even some jealousy um, of the daughter and what the daughter has. You know, maybe the daughter has her youth or her looks or her beauty, and the mom is a little bit resentful because. She had to sacrifice so much to get her to the point where she's grown and beautiful and all that type of stuff. So I think it, that was just a situation where Diana uh, was feeling herself a little bit too much. Maybe got a little bit too much blown up by her father's return and what she did to get her father free that she forgot her mother is, is still a dangerous woman and not one to be played with. And Monet had to show her. Indeed. So we get Tariq in jail contemplating because he's got nothing but time and that's all he's got he can afford to do right now is think and all he can think is like how did I get here like what did I miss and you know we get the flashbacks of it just kind of kind of slightly piecing together but he needs a little help with that his his, his inner voice that appears in the form of Cain, Kanan excuse me <clears throat> I thought this was a great scene I thought this was a great like use of you know 50 who's I'm pretty sure just be hanging around the set anyway but Still that Kanan character where it's like he's still kind of trying to school Tariq, but also it's it's a little manipulative. Obviously, his inner thoughts shouldn't have a reason to betray him, but it feels like Kanan is actually there kind of pulling strings to get something that he wants. That's the vibe I got from his delivery when clearly he he doesn't exist right now. Um, How did you feel about that? And Kanan kind of kind of get him on point but also messing with his head and planning the idea that his mom sold him out. Oh, no, not his mom. Well, like, not so much like his, like he's kind of making it seem like his mom abandoned him. No, I, th- I think he was just making it seem that he was connecting the fact that he Monet influenced Claim to do to set him up because mm-hmm. he was like, who also who taught you the shit you know? And he t- that's what he was like. My mom. So that's why he got the idea that, that I think when I was understanding that like just like Tasha was guiding Tariq, he was trying to make the point that Monet is possibly guiding Kane, because he know Kane ain't no genius. Kane ain't never been, in his eyes, a smart guy. You know, Kane has always been just like kind of rough, uh, so he don't think Kane is smart enough to guy to do it. And, and and I think last week we were giving Kane a lot of credit for being like you know starting to play chess or starting to be like a general, but if if we really look at it, Kane really hasn't come ahead no n- any ideas of his own. Mecca has really been kind of puppeteering Kane. To make all the moves that he made. Uh, as far as the connect issue. As far as the. Uh, he was the one that told him to come up with the backup plan. So he didn't have to go on the run. So uh, I think we may be giving too much credit to Kane. When he's not really playing as smart as we think he has. But he's really been guided by Mecca. And Mecca's hand on him. Um, but you know. I, I, as far as the scene itself. I think it was a really good scene. I think I do like the fact that they use um, Kane in 050 from time to time. I just don't want them to overdo it. So right. an occasional pop-in when he you know, is going through some real strife and he needs some guidance because he doesn't have anybody in his life, I, I like it, but I don't want them to kind of go to that well too often. Right. And honestly, if they're going to use it, at this point I've kind of given up hope. If they couldn't get Omari Hardwick to do a voiceover, I've pretty much thrown in the towel that we're going to see him as a vision. Um, Who knows? If, if it actually happens, It'll make it'll make it all the sweeter for me, but like I've kind of given up hope. If they couldn't even get the voiceover, I wouldn't mind Arena. Um, you know, Ghost got one of those, so I wouldn't mind Arena. Um, but yeah, very good scene. We go to class the next day, and the Professor Milgram character is unsavable. Um, and this is this is the way the character was presented to us, like. She wasn't well put together, and I'm not going to blame the actress I refuse to blame the actress this particular time around because the character cues and directions that she's been given just have been all over the place. Um, So, yeah, she's a a very, very flawed character in in construction, and she needs to go because now she's on this Olivia Pope cold-bloodedness where you know lauren comes in like look i didn't know did you know you were gonna you know this is what was gonna be the outcome and she she really like kind of played lauren like nah you you're acting like a little girl like yes you should have seen this coming i don't feel bad for it you shouldn't feel bad for it. he's a murderer he is he didn't kill the police officer not that you know that justifies but she did manipulate Lauren and Lauren has every single right to feel the way she feels towards professor Milgram. Um, what did, what did you feel? Yeah, I think in in this scene with the quick scene with Lauren and also the classroom scene, uh, yeah, they really made, you know, Milgram over the top in this scene in this, uh, I I mean, I, I just don't feel like even if she, I I don't feel like this is how she would express herself in the real world. If this was a real class where one of the students was arrested for something. Uh, I think she was just kind of over the top with her, uh, you know, pronouncements that, that he's guilty and he, he's going down for this um, and without giving any type of benefit of the doubt. Uh, they were trying to have a discussion about kind of like the legal system or guilty to prove innocent. She just kind of shut it all down. So, uh, you know, I understand kind of her venom um, for Tariq because I, I think she thinks he, well, we know she he killed Reynolds and she also believes he killed Reynolds. Uh, so it's not really about the cop thing. I think it's just the Reynolds part of it. Um, but I, I didn't understand her, her character in this particular, it was just kind of over the top of me, um, you know. And I already don't like her, so anything that that can make me not like her anymore, I'm already, I'm a, I'm, I'm going to jump on top of it. And this scene just was really rubbing me the wrong way. I actually, her her entire presence in this entire episode, it was nothing likable about it. Yeah, yeah, there's it nothing redeemable. Um, her motives have kind of borderline appeared out of thin air. They they're understandable motives, but it's just her and. Reynolds stories just were not constructed properly. They were way too flimsy. They made, they were nonsensical. And as we've said in many times, they were in a different show. So it's like, I, it's not that I don't want to root for her at this point. I borderline, I practically don't want to see the character on screen because she doesn't fit. And it I, again, and I'm horrible for this. I really do have to learn the actor's names. Um, the actress playing her, I, I, I have nothing against her she's doing and that's the thing when <clears throat> whatever direction they are giving her at random though it may be she gives her all so it's like, like i'm i'm you know i've she's proven that she can be versatile it's just that the way that her character has been put into the storyline is so all over the place that she just feels like a character from a different show or multiple different shows that they just keep plopping in the middle of this, and it's not a good crossover at that. Um, so from there we get confirmation between Mecca and uh, Monet that Monet it, it this is this was confirmation for me. Uh, Monet is all of the Tejada kids' mother because I I was always con- like not concerned, but I was always confused, like you know, and casting. Not to say that there can't be. Um, Dark-skinned people of uh, you know, hmm, I'm about to fuck up. Latin, Latin descent. Hispanic yeah, I descent? think they call that Dex now. But Latin, yeah, I believe. it's you're right. complicated. You know, not to not to say that there can't, there couldn't be. Um, you know, Kane just seemed a little bit off between her and and uh, and Lorenzo, but yeah, we get confirmation that she is in fact all of their mothers, and. We uh we get the drop. Well, we get their revelation that Tariq has been arrested, and it's messed up because Monet, to a degree, is being blamed. Although indirectly, it is her fault. Monet is being blamed for Tariq getting locked up by Lorenzo, um, and then proceeds to get squeezed by McLean. Holy crap, McLean is about nothing but the money. Then he asked her for like a million, and she was like, "Look, I want in." On the info, anything I, I can use to. She offered twenty five, two hundred fifty, and he asked for five hundred. Right, right. So, then he said, "Double it, and I'll give you that." But you're gonna—I'm only gonna tell you what you need to know, and I'm not gonna tell you anything personal about my client's case. So I think what now she she owes about a million because I think no, they, no, no. they dropped that she number. She offered the two fifty, and he said double it. So that's how we got the five hundred thousand. Okay. So she was like, I will got 250 for you. He said, double it. And that's how she was like, the bill is $500,000 $500, for, just for information that he readily says, I'm only going to give you what I want to give you. It, it is not even a promise of all the information. I think she kind of responded with a sad remark like, no, you're going to give me everything, but you know how Davis McKean play. He going to do what's in his best interest as long as that money keep flowing in. Uh, but the, he the only one that has, it, it seems like he talks and does whatever he wants to without fear of any type of rep- uh, you know, retaliation or repercussions, even when he knows he's talking to dangerous people. And I don't know if that's just kind of like a, a, a you got to be that, that bravado or he really thinks he's untouchable because maybe he's a man of the law. Um, but yeah, he, he doesn't hesitate to talk to anybody and demand whatever he wants from whoever it may be. Yeah. Um, he, he gives me a bit of um, Mr. Ott vibes where it's just like, yeah, I have a job to do, I would get paid for it. And nothing is going to stop me from doing it. Like, regardless of how you feel about it. Um, So from there, we said Monet is now being forced to kind of team up with Kane. uh, Because they're both getting squeezed out. And not necessarily fully out, but they're both being squeezed into positions where it would make more sense to them to be out. Um, We get a quick Mecca and Kane discussion where Mecca's kind of probing for more info uh you know how'd your father get out like why does he want to meet me so bad uh but also you know playing this position where it's like look if you don't want me to meet him and you want to be you know the go-to guy then that's fine with me i don't need to meet him um how did you feel about the partnership and mecca you know still pulling more um well probing and letting letting kane just kind of Emotionally vomit how he's pretty much jealous of his brother for yeah. being you know next in line and everything. I mean, Mecca been doing nothing since we've we've, we've since him and Cain have got together. It seems like he's always kind of pushing and pulling Kane and, and kind of manipulating him, and getting what he wants out of him. He's already spilled family secrets basically from the first day he met him. Um, so I think there's kind of more the manipulation and the power or the influence that uh Mecca is showing over Kane. I am a little bit confused about this timeline because. I, I, you know, Me- Me- Mecca and uh, Monet grew up together. I'm surprised Lorenzo doesn't know this guy. You know, I'm assuming they all from the same neighborhood. Um, they would have some type of interactions from the past, but apparently, maybe they just didn't cross paths. Um, but, you know, Queens ain't but so big, so I'm surprised that they don't already have some type of understanding of each other. Um, but, yeah. you know, Mecca did, Mecca did at this time, he shut down the meeting. He was like, no meeting. I, 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 he gave Kane just what Kane needs to kind of keep Kane in a position of at least think he's powerful. Let him know, look, you my go-to man. All goes through you. And then Bowdoin came to take kind of, take that information back to his dad. And we see what happens once Kane gets that and in, in a later scene. Meanwhile, in jail, great opening line. I always knew your little goofy ass would end up in <laughs> here. Followed by, I could see, like, I honestly could see your crooked ass ended up in here too. Foreshadowing. Because <laughs> ain't no way Unless he gets killed With all the crap Tate has done And is I'm sure going to do I think whenever they decide That his book is done he's There's no way he doesn't go to jail mm-hmm. There's no way um, But Tate wants what he's promised Like what am I doing here Like you, your, you, you and your escapades You still haven't brought me What I need What I asked of you And I've been helping you out what I you know? What yeah, so far, I he's delivered on everything. I mean, exactly. He, he got him to his sister's location. He got him basically got him his sister, uh, and he hasn't really provided anything as it relates to the Sweeney. He's supposed right. to be getting dirt on Sweeney, right? And granted, that's what this scene set up. Yeah, granted, it, you know, it, it's definitely a setup scene because realistically, like, if I'm in jail, I definitely can't do it now. Mm-hmm. So you know, what what are we doing? Um, but yeah, it's not. A ton from that scene. Uh, what did you? How did you feel about it? I was just jealous of their waves more than anything. That's what I got most out of. Them. I said they both got lovely heads of hair. I remember my days when I used to have some waves back in the day. <laughs> Same here, man. But yeah, it was kind of just more of a setup scene to um, just kind of advance the story. So we, because we knew the show sucks if Tariq stays in jail, yeah. so they they had to find a way to get him out. Um, and they already tried to go the, the first legal route, so they had to have somebody with, uh, like I said, influence. I think it's also you know setting up a long-term plan for for Tate. Um, so I think it was kind of killing two birds with one stone, setting up Tariq's release and also setting up Tate's long-term plan when it comes to whatever he's trying to do to get, I guess, the Sweeney guy's council seat or uh, I think I think he might be a congressman or whatever it may be. So it was just build up. So we got Lorenzo back in charge, laying out the the ground orders. Diana, you're off the street stuff. Kane, let me know when the when the plug is ready or the connect is ready. Um, Drew, you're gonna be rolling close to me and you know, her, you know, grooming for, for the takeover. And Monet pretty much tells him, like, look, you're not gonna be ordering me around now that you out. And he he plays her like a trophy wife. Like you, you know, you wanted to retire. Like you don't you didn't want to work no more. Here's some money. Mm-hmm. Go treat yourself. Yeah, I think this was just a, another scene to set up the, the, the new dynamic. And and uh, what I wrote in my notes is just kinda, he just kind of was basically demeaning. He was being to her. He, he didn't really give her credit for what she did in the 10 years that he was away. Right. Uh, and then he's basically saying, well, now that I'm back, it don't matter what you did because you ain't doing it no more. I'm the man. And I run this. Um, so I think it's just kind of more setting up Monet's uh, new position in the family and also showing her even more motivation to make some type of change. I can be. I wouldn't be surprised if at the end of the season she ain't the one that's pulling the trigger to take her own man out or setting up some type of thing to get Lorenzo out of there uh, because I don't think she likes playing second fiddle and I and I don't think that it'll work with anybody. I, I think it's gonna be the downfall of her and Mecca too. Even if she tried to go Mecca's route, because she doesn't want what Mecca offers either. She doesn't want to be retired. Um, I think she still wants to have a lot of influence and a lot of control, and she she can't get that dealing with either the men that are possible options for her right now. So this scene gives way to the courtroom, out on bail. You know the if you know the lyrics, sing along. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> we get this judge who is doing his best performative piece, of another black man being a, a victim of the system. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very progressive get, judge. Oh my gosh! Uh, or we get Tate in the back in his blazer and turtleneck combo flexing his weight for it influence mm-hmm. uh, and we get, we get the, we get the ankle bracelet and um, we also get Sax kind of, kind of testing Tate just a little bit. Cause Sax is still in his mind. He's still a good guy. Uh, we get our ankle monitor and we get Sax rightfully questioning Tariq, you know, because grand scheme, this is nonsense. Like Tariq skates a lot through this series, and Sax is the one that kind of brings the realism to it. Of like, yeah, no, and and this is this is not how things work in the real way, in the real world. Excuse me. Like, how in the hell do you keep getting away with stuff like this? And uh, we get we get our first real like blow up from McLean, uh, which great piece of acting from Method Man. And he tells him like, look, you can go here and here. And this is where the number, this is where I had the number 1 million in my head because he has to get a million dollars uh, for for bail. Um, what did you think about this scene as far as, you know, the way that played out? And McLean pretty much laying the law down there like, look, you don't work for the good guys no more. We're not necessarily bad guys. We're the paid guys and we don't do quote-unquote, you know, what you consider the right thing. We do what gets us paid. right? How did you feel about that scene? I mean, I think it was a, a realistic thing. Uh, Sachs needs to figure out what he wants, man. He can't keep, like, tiptoeing his line between uh, you know, still being the white hat, you know, the good guy that's trying to put the bad guys in jail, or is he really going to be a part of the people who defend him? I mean, I think that's what it was. He, he kept trying to press Tariq and give to a hard time, not realizing, like, hey, at the end of the day, He's hiring you. You're just there to get the check, and a part of that check is doing your best to get him off. Whether you like him or not, whether you believe he's innocent or not, your job is to cash the checks to get him off. Um, and you're not going to have a successful career if you're always showing resentment or disdain for the same people that you're taking the money from. So I think Davis did what is supposed to be done. Um, if you're going to be a part of this, I need you fully invested in this because every time you try to do something that's going to hamstring us. It's gonna it's gonna affect our money, and we know Davis' number one thing is money. and He's not gonna let nothing anything become between that this and that. So I think you know I think it's just kind of set up a, a decision for Sachs that he's ultimately to have to make. Yeah. Like, is he in this? Like, is he, you know, the good guy, or is he, you know, not to say bad, but is he willing to do to to do everything he can to help people who he believes are bad? Um, and he, you you know you really can't have it both ways, and, and Still want all the things that come from, you know, the money, the fame, the 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 power that comes from being who Davis is, or the lifestyle Davis wants to bring. Indeed, um, a very a very telling thing, but like also not false. Uh, you know, Sacks, to a degree, you know, he obviously he wants the money, but also he does have a sense of wanting to do the right thing, and he's not necessarily wrong like Tariq gets people killed if he doesn't kill them himself and he said it was like we let this kid back out there someone's gonna die and his his kind of his his kind of like motivation is you know preservation of life um because he's seen what's what's tied to, to Tariq but like you said at some point he's gonna have to make a decision and truthfully uh, bold prediction: At some point in the series, Sax is going to flip back to the other side and go for what he considers justice. Um, from there, we go back to the dorm, and we got Braden finally telling the truth, and of the and, you know the subsequent fallout. Uh, Tariq has every right to be upset uh, because Braden did in fact mess up, uh, but Braden partially has you know a little bit of right to be upset because he's he's being kept in the dark um partially because tariq kind of wants to give him a little bit of deniability but also tariq tends to play him like he's dumb and i think that's where some of his resentment comes from and it it didn't take much of kane twisting that that knife because the knife that knife was already there and it's just one of those things that like you could tell Braden was like, "Yeah, you know, I'm we're we're boys," but like he could sense that like Tariq kind of looks down on him in the intelligence aspect. Like he could, you know, kind of play him. Um, so you know, Tariq fresh out, it, you know, he blows up, and it this is to a, yeah, this is Braden's fault because he got too close to Kane, and Kane was able to to drop the badge on him. Um, so he, you know. In the moment, he he cuts ties with Brayden for the moment, mm-hmm. and he oh then proceeds you know since the the episodes are tied together, proceeds to bomb the meeting with Monet, which is partially just Monet, you know, being Monet, uh, <laughs> but he kind of sold out uh, Kane in the process, <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. He's like, "Did you know about that body?" And he was like, "Yeah, he tricked me." <laughs> which is like if, I, if we ain't in it, I ain't getting in trouble for you. Mm-hmm. Like if, especially if especially if she's not gonna work with me, if she's not gonna work with me, I'm definitely not getting in trouble with you over this shit. Um, to which, interestingly enough, Monet and I don't know if this was just like her not wanting a a loose end or another another thing she's gotta re- worry about, but she's like, nah, just leave me alone. Like, he's, to a degree, he's kind of harmless. He doesn't know but so much. Um, what did you feel about those those two connected scenes? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think Tariq, you know, expressed his frustration, but a lot of it is on Tariq for not being open and honest with Brayden. Uh, Brayden, also, I like that Tariq said something we all been thinking and we've also talked about the show a bunch of times. Like, Braden is playing in this shit. Like, the the rest of them, is. they're not in it just because it's fun or for a thrill. They didn't it because they have no other, you know, in their eyes, they have no other option. Like, they, you know, they don't they don't come from a bunch of money. They don't come from a bunch of influence. They come from nothing, um, even though we know Tariq doesn't come from nothing. Um, but, you know, why why, why? Brayden is playing like make-believe and, 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 you know, cowboy, what is it? Not cowboys, Uh, cops and robbers and shit and, and just getting the thrill out of this. The rest of them are, are really involved in this. This is their life. They don't got nothing else to go back to if things don't work out. Um, But, uh, you know, a lot of it is also on on, on Tariq. Like, he has to be open. Brayden has been asking him from the start to kind of be open and honest with it. And we've seen on multiple occasions how the fact that Tariq is open with him has blown up on Tariq. Um, And and Tariq still does not keep him fully involved. Um, And then the other thing was just funny. Um, You know, we knew Monet wasn't going to work with with this goofball. Um, You know, he tried to say he had the white privilege card. She didn't care nothing about that because she's not ready for it. And he isn't ready for it. He, he, he's good to do course correct. He's good when he has a uh, somebody like somebody's guiding him, but he ain't ready to run the whole thing without Tariq's involvement. And she saw that immediately. And that's why she kind of played him off and told him to get the hell out of there, cause it because it wasn't going to work. Right. So from there we get uh, the breakup. We get Lauren um, meeting up with Tariq outside the the, well not the apartment excuse me out, off of campus and you know he kind of wants to he kind of wants to catch up uh, but this is a lot for her to process and I'm not going to fault Lauren for being apprehensive about this because she, he doesn't know that unintentionally she had a hand in this um, and the fact that this is wild this is some wild stuff like she was just helping him out to you know get a place so her well so that his uh sister could stay with him to literally the next day seeing him beat up well come in beat up and then arrested in front of everybody and being charged with uh with with murder you know two degree. you know two two counts of murder so it's i don't fault lauren for being apprehensive about all this um tariq clearly in his feelings, slightly rightful for being in his feelings, especially just getting out of jail and all this this craziness. The best part I liked about that scene is that multiple times before that scene, they were making it known, and him saying, excuse me, him saying I was not responsible for Ramirez's death, but they never fully touch on, until later, uh, Professor Reynolds. Like they keep say they keep separating those in dialogue, which it stuck out to me because I was waiting for someone to go, Well, what about, you know, okay, you didn't clear Ramirez. What about Reynolds? Um, no one up until Effie later, no one would really like ask him that. It's just, I didn't kill Ramirez, which is true. He didn't kill Ramirez, he killed someone else's, uh, someone else whose name started with an R. Um, and. Again, I felt bad for Lauren in this because it's hard because she does care about the boy. Um, but ultimately, this is kind of what's best for her. Um, just because, you know, she's, she got a future to think about. She's young. Uh, random side note. I think I saw somewhere that the actress playing her is like 30. I, I mean, thought I wouldn't be surprised. That's not, yeah, that's I think he's normal. only like 20, 21 now, maybe? Yeah, I, I mean, I think he's about the same age as his character's supposed to be. Yeah. He might be a little bit I don't know his exact age. I never would have guessed she was 30. I thought they were all right around that that college age. Um, But. Let me look her up. <laughs> okay, while you're doing that, I'll, I'll go into the next scene because it's still tied. Uh, We get Lauren heartbroken because Tariq is, you know, he's hood dumped her. Like, I wanted to do with you. You didn't hold me down. You didn't. You weren't there in court, um, which was kind of a messed up thing to throw in her, in her face, um, especially every, after everything that she's really done for him in that short amount of time. Um, she goes to confront uh, Professor Pope, excuse me, Professor Milgram, and pulls her card. Like, all right, if you gonna be cold hearted about this, I'm gonna be cold hearted because she she finds out while talking to Tariq that. Professor Milgram was having sex with Zeke, which blew her mind and gave her, a, you know, some artillery of her own. Uh, we get Professor Milgram on her heels a bit, you know, trying to work things out. Again, she's she's Olivia Pope in this scene. Uh, which, you know, where did this come from? She almost cornered the girl in the office. And strong scene just um, it makes me wonder now, how far is, is Milgram going to go to to silence Lauren or keep her in check? Dang, this is crazy. They're only four years apart in age, five years apart in age. Really? Milgram is 34, and um, uh-huh. Lauren, her name is uh, Paige Heard, is 29. She'll be 30 this year. So huh. they're only five years apart. But, it, but on the show, it's so crazy because they play people who are drastically different in age. Exactly. You know, one is it supposed to be like a grown woman and the other one is still supposed to be a child. But a, well, not yeah, a child, but a young adult. A young adult. She better ride that wheel, wheels, you know, ride that till the wheels fall off. Because she looked like she, she could easily play teenagers, you know, to to college student. So, hey, find your little niche, stack up, and then do, do the serious stuff along the way, you know, along your way. Uh, but what did you think about all of that? I, I mean, you know, I'm going to touch on real quick. I, I fully understand Lauren. Uh, you know, Tariq is mad at her, but I, I, she's justified in it. Like, she's yeah. from a privileged background. She don't know nothing about no murderers and no killers. And it's it's a lot for her to digest when y'all barely started. You know, y'all known each other for about six months, if that. Because I, I think they're still in the first semester because it's still kind of cold outside. Um, right. You know, and then you've been dating for about two days. And then you went straight from dating to him getting arrested. So you will be apprehensive. You're not about that um, life. And I think it's also what, what what they were kind of talking about in the early scene uh, when you were talking about with uh, um, Drew and Everett when you were saying like the father didn't care he was gay. And I agree. I don't think the father cave is gay. I, but I do think the father is upset if he's going to involve himself with a civilian. Because yeah. you have to be a, a cut from a certain cloth to be in a relation with somebody who's that tied to the life. Like Lorenzo needs a Monet. He can't be Lorenzo with um, Carrie Branshaw. Oh, not Carrie Bradshaw, uh <laughs> Carrie Milgram. You know, you have to have somebody who is in tune with that. Um, and, and we see how it kind of plays out later in this episode when Tariq and Effie get closer because they both from the same cloth. They both know uh, about what their lives are. They don't have to keep secrets from each other, they don't have to protect uh, the good, you know, angel woman from. Uh, Getting involved in the messiness of it all because she's just as messy as he is, um, and, and we and we've seen it normally throughout this entire series. We saw it with Tasha and Ghost, uh, you know, normally somebody who is in this lifestyle has somebody who is an equal partner to that, or who they can at least talk to about it. And I don't think Tariq could ever talk to Lauren about this type of stuff because she would never fully understand it. You know, somebody who's who who's from privilege, yeah, um, definitely not. Yeah, so she... he should but... break up with her, and she should they they shouldn't be together, but. You know, I don't think this is the end of Lauren. We'll see her plenty of times. Oh, yeah. um, and then Lauren did the right thing too. Uh, she uh, was used, and, and I would say kind of, you know, bought, you know, slightly abused by um, Carrie uh, Milgram. She Milgram knew what she was doing when she was influencing that little girl. She 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 knew that that girl didn't understand what was going on and didn't understand the full aspect of what was going. On, but she wanted the result, and she pushed to get that result, and she uh, abused this girl to do it. So she should, and I'm glad that Lauren didn't just take it as like, oh, this is my teacher. Or, oh, this is uh, a serious matter. And she just taking the line down. She threw it back in her face. Um, and you saw how quickly Carrie went from kind of dominating Lauren to like, hold up, wait, 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 wait. Uh, maybe we can, this is something we can talk about later once um, she realized Lauren's had Lauren wasn't just going to be like a pushover that she thought the girl was going to be. So I, I got to give Lauren credit for kind of standing up for herself in that particular moment. Uh, you mentioned... And totally, I, I, hundred percent agree. Um, Lauren was his, was was his Angie. Lauren was definitely his Angie. He was his, she was his way to to the normal life. He, was, you know. Um, but you mentioned Effie, um, so go ahead and go ahead and go right into that that scene, and I, I'll give my thoughts on that scene. Yeah. So then, you know, Effie shows up at Tariq fresh out of jail's dorm room. I don't know how she knows the news that he's out and free. I, I wonder if Tariq's. I guess no. I guess because he is a, a alleged cop killer, so him getting free is probably gonna make a newspaper. It's gonna make uh well I guess people don't read newspapers no more, but it's gonna be at least on some local. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it'll be something like that. Um, so it, 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 and you gotta give her her credit uh immediately while everybody else seems to be kind of disappearing from Tariq or stepping back from Tariq, uh or Tariq is cutting them off. She did come to check on him. Um, and and it does the she was there, uh, you know, because throughout the course of the, the series, we know Effie is about her business and about was in effie's best interest but i didn't really get that aspect when it came to this particular scene i think she really was there out a general 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 genuine concern and care for Tariq. and she made that known um as they kind of talked discussed um all the things that's going on and then of course in the end they end up hooking up again um so you know i think this is kind of setting up where we're going to go as far as the next steps because right now It'd be The show would make no sense of all if Tariq just went back to just kind of doing drugs or running the street or doing everything and, and that he could have been doing or has been doing. So I'm glad that he's, they're, showing, they're setting up some type of network or proxy for it. And I'm also glad they're bringing Effie back to the, um, the scene. I like the character. Um, so I'm glad they're giving her a chance to kind of develop a little bit more. And this was the start of it. We, we saw a, a handful of other times getting stronger and stronger in her role throughout the rest of this episode. Right, I agree with all that. Um, I I like that Effie popped up and did exactly what you said. She she kind of helped him make sense of the chaos, and she, by asking the right questions, um, you know, he he he's he was locked up, so he rightfully so. He's frazzled, you know, he's he's on edge, and things are crumbling around him, especially when he was literally. Two steps away from getting his, um, I almost said his daughter. Wow, his uh, his sister. So you know, she asked all the right questions. She also made him see that, like, yeah, Braden screwed up, but he screwed up because he didn't know. This was like what I was saying about um, about Zeke a couple episodes, where it's like he thought he was doing the right thing. Although Braden was dishonest with Tariq, and that's on him. Um, he he still, you know he's still his boy and he, she knows that he can't do this without him. Um, so she, she was smart Well, not smart. Well, yeah, smart. But like, I like that she was able to get him to come to the conclusion. She walked them to it. Um, that like, yeah, you know, I'm not like, you know, he doesn't hate Brayden for this. He's mad. He just got out of jail. Shit's crazy. But like what he did was dumb, but I, he knows he didn't do it with like malicious intent this is where that asterisk I, I spoke of came up earlier. I was fine with Effie being over Tariq, the way she expressed it to Diana. I want, I wanted this, this character to be as polarizing and capable and confident and able to stand on her own. I didn't think she needed to get romantically reinvolved with Tariq. Um, Honestly, I'd rather see her flirt genuinely with Diana. Um, but like, it, and it just, it's kind of, it's kind of hood messy-ish. It's kind of hood writing-ish. You know, dude gets out of jail, uh, immediately dumps his girl, and then immediately hooks up with another joint that he's known longer. It's like, it, it felt a little too, a little on the nose. Like, let him be single for a little bit. Like we, you know, he's, there's three women that are kind of into him. Like even if he does kind of reconnect with Effie, can it not be 10 minutes after he's dumped Lauren? Like, can it, can it come later? You know what I'm saying? Can they put the, put the band back together and then things start going well? And then, you know, kind of like they were at show where like, you know, they get some time to themselves and then they reconnect. Can it not be so instant? That, that was my only, that was my only gripe with the episode. It's like, okay, I'm not a fan of her immediately being romantically connected back to him, um, but I also feel like if it has to happen, can can you build to it more? Mm-hmm. She just kind of came back like, "So you fresh out? Like, you know, I I want you." Like, I it it, it was just, I don't know if off putting is the word, but it after her giving that game to to Diana like don't mess with a dude with Tariq and she said on multiple occasions in previous episodes like I'm done with him. Mm-hmm. And like they they didn't build up any possible like well maybe she's not done with him. It because of her her limited screen time it was you I you know I fully believed it cuz like she's not seen enough for us to to even gauge that maybe she's still kind of feeling him. Like it it was believable that she was done and over him. But for her to, you know, come back, and I like that she was playing his his, his counselor to a degree of, like, you know, she let him vent, you know, get everything out of your mind, get everything off your chest, because I'm pretty, you know, I'm pretty sure you're, all you had was time to think in there, and then you just get into it with your best friend as soon as you get out, like, let's talk it out, and, you know, by talk, I'm going to allow you to get these things out, but I'm also gonna ask you questions in a manner that kinda help you find some clarity. I was fine with that. I didn't I feel like they could have at least delayed the reconnect. Um anything on that before we get to family time? No, no, I agree. I, I, like I said, you know, she was really adamant that she was done with Tariq, I think maybe even an episode or two ago. And now she's right back in this bed. So they could have they could have built that a little bit more organically. They didn't really it it, it was kinda it felt rushed. But like I so said, they don't give her a lot of time, so they got to kind of move it along. And they also got to keep Tariq in business, but also kind of respect his ankle monitor at least a little bit. Yeah. And the fact that like he. No, wait, they were in the dorm. Never mind. Later, their headquarters is the apartment he told Lauren he was going to get out of, mm-hmm. um, which that's going to come back. So, we get, we get family time. They're reminiscing on the good old days before Poppy went in. Um, they have a really nice, tender moment. Um, akin to, like, season one <laughs> of the first power when they were still a family, when that when the St. Patrick's were still somewhat of a family. Um, and Monet gets cold feet. Monet gets cold feet. She goes to, to Mecca to kind of call things off. Um... And Mecca's like, yo, like, I still have a family with, with Zeke being my son. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, what about what about me? Like, okay, you, you you know, I've tried to give you, you still can choose. You know what I mean? And she's like, no, nope, I don't want none of that, and you need to stay away from me. Right. Pretty much kicks him to the curb. What did, what did you think about that? Because my first thought was like, oh, Mecca's about to make shit hot. Right. And I think that's why he you know, later changes his mind and says he will, is willing to meet with Lorenzo because um, it's not about the business. It's about he wants Nene back and he's going to do whatever he can to kind of sabotage, uh, you know, whatever she has going on at home. Um, but I think, you know, as far as both of the scenes, you know, quick comment on both of the scenes, uh, I, I really like the family remittance scene uh, because it just because like even the fact that they got, you know, drug dealers and killers and all that, they just, or uh, just a family end up was just enjoying some good times that they used to have. So I really appreciated that. And then I understand where Monet is coming from. Um I think she still while she you know Dante was her first love. And, um they do have Zeke. It's a it's a big difference between somebody you used to date when you was a kid twenty something years ago and you do have a kid with and somebody you married and raised three other kids with. Like Mecca thinks she should just kind of drop her family and abandon them for some flame they had a long time ago, when she really has built a life outside of him and spent way more time with Lorenzo, even though he's been in jail the last ten of them, than she ever did with him. You know, their thing was kind of like you know high school love uh, or puppy love, and then she. So it's not as easy to just say, okay, I pick you. I'm abandoning my family, especially just when the husband is just coming home. Um so I, so I think this is going to lead to m- this big confrontation at some point between Mecca and Lorenzo. Uh and all the secrets going to get spilled and it's going to turn into a whole thing. And you know, I, I don't see the need to keep them both around long term. Um you know, by the end of the season one of them should be either effed or dead. So we got to see how it's going to play out. So speaking of uh conflicts and secrets being revealed, uh While being told that uh, school has been paid for to go to St. John's, uh, and how did you get her in school? (laughs) (laughs) How you just get somebody in this? Uh, We we paid your full tuition. I didn't even apply, Dad. (laughs) Right to St. John's, really? (laughs) Um, But yeah, we we get we get the bomb drop. And this was this was also kind of one of those things that like it. Why the whole? confirmation that they're all her kids was like needed for me but it also threw me off a bit because Drew and Drew and Diana never call Monet mom. Kane is the only person who calls her mom. Like they speak of her as if she's a stepmother. And it's it's confirmed that she had all three of them with um with Lorenzo, mm-hmm. so it's like, cause it 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 really stuck out to me in this scene when, she's like, nah, like, Monet knows what she's doing, as if she's like not her blood mother, like she, you know, it it never stopped, like they Drew and, and, I don't think Drew's ever called her mom. I don't, I I'm pretty sure, Diana maybe has, but nine times out of ten, when they were referring to her. When they're referring to her to someone else, they call her by her first name in a manner that's like, that's not my blood mother. Mm -hmm. Um, I think a lot of it just comes from, you know, them being upset. When they normally talk about Monet, they they normally upset at something Monet did or something Monet said. Um, But I think I definitely, I don't know Drew, but I think Diane has definitely referred her as Ma or or, or even referred to her to a third party as Ma or called her Ma directly. Um, I never really paid attention to Drew. I always felt like Drew and her had a pretty good relationship. Um, And I think Kane does it so much because she's always on the outs with him. He he has to be endearing to her and remind her, hey, I'm still your son. I still love you, Ma, and stuff like that. Uh, So I I think that's just kind of plays into the dynamics and the different levels of comfort that these three had with their mother. Uh, I I think Kane really seeks his mother's approval um, because I think he, even though he's the oldest, I think she is the quickest to kind of dismiss him. Or, or, or not really give him the full credit that he thinks he deserves. I think Diana and her had that kind of mother, uh, that happens in a lot of relationships with mothers and daughters, where they have this kind of, it's like a kind of competition amongst them. Even You know, they love each other, but it's also still a kind of a competition amongst them. And then Drew is just kind of like the middle one, the cool one, the calm one. Uh, so he just kind of goes for the flow. And I think, you know, a lot of them do refer to Monet, her as Monet, but I think they refer to her as Monet uh, especially when they're dealing with like Tariq and other business things, because they want to keep calling the, the boss Ma. Uh, I think would kind of, in my eyes, be kind of weird uh, when you're talking to like another subordinate or another person who is a, a underling to her, like Tariq would be. Um, but yeah, that's a good observation. I really, I never really thought about it, especially when it comes to Drew. Yeah. So the 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 bil- <laughs> the beans get spilled on the escape plan. Um, <laughs> I like how. I like the little over the shoulder, like oh, you know about that look when uh, when Lorenzo presses Drew about it. <laughs> um, so yeah, we get that, we get, we get Lorenzo telling him like, look, we're gonna get this family a family again. You know, the hell with this plan. And um, also, I need to go tail Kino because mm-hmm. we're gonna make a move on him. Mm-hmm. So you know, he got to break. You know, he got to he got to break up his his uh, his boo loving time. And from there, we get hands down probably one of my favorite scenes of the the entire series that I've seen. Because I haven't seen Raising Kanan. Uh, but between book one and book two, just and possibly on TV up to this point in my life. We get Brayden and Tariq cleaning the air. Men communicating. Like clearly, not being dicks about it. Just being concise and completely honest, clear in the air. Like, here's everything. Did he confess to killing Reynolds in this? I can't remember. Yes. Or was that F he told? So he didn't tell Braden that he, uh. I think, wait, did he? He said, I think he said Reynolds was getting too close. I think because Braden was another person who might have asked him about Reynolds. Because he was like, right. I know I didn't do He was like, I know you didn't kill the cop. Because they, they went through the whole thing of like how he helped uh, Kane with the body and everything. So he knew he didn't kill the cop. Um, but yeah. I think he asked him, "Well, what about the professor?" And he admitted that he was writing the book. He was getting too close, and I had to do what I had to do. Yeah, so they really and did that's... clear everything. He he let him know about all uh, all the shady uh, Tahada shit. He know about the GTG because he talked about two bit. He brought all that up. They really did finally, and they may finally be getting to a point where a new level of respect, because um, they are open and honest. But I think that's only gonna last about as long as Tariq, because I think Tariq is gonna go back to the line of breeding. I don't think he's ever gonna open fully up to Brayden because, it kind of, to what you were talking about earlier, he wants to kind of protect Brayden, um, but I also think he wants to protect himself. And I think he thinks honestly that Brayden is just playing this, and if shit came hit the fan, that Brayden will fold easily. So the less Brayden knows, the better for him. Uh, I hope it doesn't come to that, but I can totally see that. Like, I hope, I hope that they do kind of go into a point of like now you know everything and he continues to be honest with them at least for a while like maybe don't lie to him for maybe another season and a half um but i need him to be in a in a crazy situation for him like i'm lying to protect you you know what i'm saying but like for real this time i no more dumb lying you know between the two of them like because Mm -hmm. at this point if you make the decision to like have them because this was a really good scene to me like, I really appreciated seeing that. Just two, two young men, college age. Because this shit don't happen for real, for real. Um, I'm in my 30s, and I don't see this that often between two men. You know what I'm saying? So for this to happen between two college boys, two college freshmen at that, honestly, these two are still supposed to be in high school last time I checked. Like, to have this level of grown, open communication if Tariq immediately goes back to lying to Brayden for dumb stuff, just kill Brayden or write him off the show or write him out of Tariq's life because it it almost feels like a bit of a betrayal to to this moment to me. And this could be me being just personal with it. Um but we got the band back together. Uh they're going to and, and Two million came up when he was talking to Effie early, and I still can't figure out why it's two million now. His bail was supposed to be one million. Now I'm trying to figure out where the two million came from, unless. Maybe... and his bail was only ten percent cash bond, so he only need right. to come over hundred dollars so, like, for that. I think he just need to pay. I think that's just Davis's fee. Davis wants two million dollars to represent him. Davis is not a cheap lawyer. I think he because he paid about five uh, you know a few hundred thousand for tasha so i'm not surprised two murders especially one involving a new york city cop that ain't gonna be cheap that's not a cheap defense yeah um but yeah we get we get the two-bit name drop which i was like okay he's not gone especially when he said like i ain't heard from him for a while so we should be good i was like yeah no check off gun like you've said his name it damn near like like Candyman. Mm-hmm. Um, he'll be. We now know Two Bit will be showing up at some point. He has to at this point. Um, but yeah, you got the old band back together, and that's why I was like, I thought you were supposed to be leaving this apartment, bro. Um, but I guess they kind of like part of his his. I don't. No, it's not probation. Well, whatever his his um his allowed distance. I mean, basically, kind of a house arrest. Yeah, there's nothing else. He can only go residence. to college, school, school uh, the lawyer's office, right? or to her, her, the residence. Yeah, and he can't. I think he couldn't leave Manhattan. Yeah, he can't leave Manhattan. Um, but yeah, again, la- last thing I'm gonna say about that—that that scene of between Braden and Tariq, Tommy and Ghost would never do anything like that. They should have. Ghost tried a couple of times, but Tommy was too far gone and too too knuckleheaded and reckless. Um, so speaking of reckless and a little bit bold, we get Kane drawing a line in the sand. Like I'm that guy. You want to talk to him, you talk to me, but we also get Lorenzo stepping right back. Like, do you want to be my son or do you want to be my boss? Um, and it put Kane in a real, real tight spot because I'm pretty sure Kane is, is aware of what happens to Lorenzo's bosses if he's not really with it. And I'm pretty sure Lorenzo's never really had a boss. Uh, how did you feel about that standoff? I mean, I, I think, like I said, it was, it was Kane definitely flexing his muscle. Uh, he was getting to the point where he's getting pushed out, but he's like, how am I getting pushed out when I'm the only one that's keeping his family going? Um, before he came through as the new connect, it's hard as I thought They were going to be out of the game altogether. Um, and, and, you know, I think it's just a combination of he, he was waiting for his time to shine. You know, he thought for sure, you know, he was his mom's right-hand man. He thought he was going to be the next on the throne. And then all of a sudden his daddy comes home and tells him, you know, not only are you not the next man on the throne, I'm pushing you even further back into a position you don't want to be in anymore. Uh, so he he, he had to boss up. At this point, it was either stand my ground, let them know I got some say in this family as well, or he'd be in a position where he's always going to be taking shit from them. And I think he just kind of stood up. Um and in but now but now he got to kind of hold on to that power cuz you know without it he going to be back lost speaking of uh moving up and leveling up we get effie being put into the new role of uh for the most part she the new distro mm-hmm. um and i you you tell me to a degree was was effie just letting her know that like hey i'm a good employee or was she kind of putting her bid in to like yeah like you know we're gonna work together through tariq but also i i you know i do work too you know if you're looking to expand outside of tariq it, it felt a little bit it felt a little bit job interviewish aside from you know we already doing business but I'm open for promotions. How did you feel about that? I think she was just kind of more showing, cause I, I, cause you know Monique was trying to assault her. I think Monique Monique Monet kept trying to kind of make it seem like she was just fucking Tariq or she was just there because she might be giving Tariq some sex. And she was like, no, that ain't really my role. Like my role is, I'm I'm you know I'm as much or, or I, I stand on my own feet as much as anybody else. Um, so I think she was just kinda giving her a little her little verbal stuff bar and like I'm not just a pushover, I'm not just some damn like some dame who's doing my man's bidding. I have some say and in influence on this as well. So I don't know if she was trying to get her to like work with her what outside of Tariq, but I think she was just kind of showing her that she's more than just Tariq's pawn. Right. And... Hello? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that you know, that's kinda what I thought about. Uh so Speaking of pawns, poor Lauren, um, pleading her case <laughs> uh, with Jenny, I think is her name. Sure, don't ask me, man. I said don't know lady's name. White lawyer lady is what I call right. her. Right. And Sachs always, luckily, in the right place at the right time. He's um, dropping. Right. Picking up possibly a new a new piece to, you know, his puzzle of deceit. Um, and, yeah, just kind of, you know eavesdropping on her, her desperate plea to like plea, you know, not want to be involved with this. And as she said, life lesson, never sign anything without knowing exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, she is at some point, unfortunately, going to have to go to court and testify possibly, most likely, against Tariq, which rough stuff for the girl. Anything on that before we rapid-fire the end? No, that was a you know, quick little scene. Uh, I think it was more less about Lauren and more about Sax overhearing it how he's yeah. going to use that as advantage to uh, or, or is he going to well the way he made it seem like he was about to run it back to Davis so they can kind of use it to know how to defend Tariq so maybe that's more uh, um Sachs taking us you know I guess towards the dark side Okay. Right. so in the midst of this we get a, a, little, a little montage mm-hmm. with uh, Mecca like he said making shit hot because now he wants to meek excuse me, he wants to meet to creepily watching Zeke from his car right. as he and, plays basketball in a random park now when I was in college I was told, and it made sense that the if you made the basketball team, you don't play recreationally, and especially outside um, we, had, we had these courts right outside of our gym, the gym that we had at the time um, and you know that was like a rule like you, you can play in the gym if you're practicing, but you don't, you definitely just ain't out playing ball in a random park because, and especially someone as high profile as Zeke at this moment, mm-hmm. and like no one's around, like there's no way in hell you found an empty park in the middle of the day in New York and no one's bugging you. Um, also it's dangerous because like you could just playing around, injure yourself out in the world. Um, so I was like, why is he in this random park? also mecca yes being being creepy while setting up his uh his meeting to to blow stuff up and we get Braden putting in work doing doing what needed to be done now he didn't even take like a couple of pictures he took the whole photo album which i was just like all right well hey um maybe they'll notice it's missing but uh they're gonna find something that they can use in there because he took the whole damn thing uh, any thoughts on those particular scenes before we wrap up with the last scene? No, it was just a, Like I said, it was just a quick little mon- montage to kind of set up some pieces that's going on. Probably start to play out in the next couple of episodes. Because remember, we only got four episodes left after this. So they got to kind of give us some things to kind of push us towards the end of the season. Right, so this, this, the episode ends with Effie kind of scheming a way to get him out of that low jack or at least kind of bypass it. Um, and this was definitely one of those things where, um, Effie was like, look, I got some concerns. Like I can handle myself, but like, what do I need to know? You know, what, you know, give me the inside scoop. Uh, and then we, you know, we get sort of the, the kiss off to ghost, which, you know, if you guys have been listening to, to our, our podcast um our recaps um it's it's a bit of misdirection not misdirection it's a bit of like how do i put this it's warranted but also still i still have like bruises from the the motives of the original um the original series of power um And it's just like, I'm not a fan of the ghost slander when I still believe that he probably put this together when Tariq was at the peak of his bullshit, you know, running with the Italians, stealing and selling pills, getting kicked out of Chote. I really feel like the ghost we saw at the end of his series, before the star of this series kills him, was genuinely trying to make amends and try to be better, um... Notwithstanding the whole, you know, hey man, you might have to take this bid. But I mean, now that we're looking at it, Tariq might have been better off in jail. Um, but we're, I, I, and it, when we look at, you know, the way they, they kind of talk to each other, you know, Tariq, well, Ghost kind of, he wanted to make amends. He wanted to make things right with his son. He never didn't love his son. So I really feel like that particular little, thing that he, the note that he left came from a time when Tariq was legit fucking up and legit on his way to jail. Mm-hmm. Um, So like that, you know, people I believe people are, should be allowed to, you know, change and grow. Like we, we, we talk about how much we want to see that in people. So I feel like by the time, between Tariq's peak BS and the end of Ghost's life, I do believe that Aside from the whole, you know, you might have to take this charge, I do believe that like he he had he had a better um view of his son. You know, before he killed him, of course. Mm-hmm. But like I do believe he had a better view of his son. So like to to kinda like shit on him a little bit after death, especially when you were the one that killed him, um, it just seemed a little a little wild to me. But, you know, the the episode ends with him burning his words, uh, burning the last words that he received from his father, which I was like, I kind of get it, but also, like, Ghost was obviously no saint, but, like, I was not a fan of how that series betrayed him with those last five episodes. Um, what were your final thoughts on the episode? I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I understand why he did it. Uh, I would have burned that letter, too. Um, I think Effie's words kind of woke him up from this little funk he was in when it came to that. Uh, And and he got to get past it. Like his father left the letter, whatever it may be. That's a shitty thing to get, especially, you know, on your hardest day. Because him getting arrested is probably the hardest day of his life. But he kind of bought it on himself. And if he really going to be his own man and kind of build from that, he kind of got to let his father go. He can't be worried about Ghost's opinion or Ghost's thoughts of him. Um, if, if he's really going to try to get his life on track. So I, I think it was more of a kind of a release. I'm releasing my father. I'm releasing all the the anger or resentment or whatever it may be that he had for him, and it's time to let it all go and focus on his future. And that's what I think we're going to see as we move forward into the next couple episodes. All right, and that's where the episode ends. Um, like I said, pieces were moved. Boy, were they moved. Uh, did you see the the preview for the next episode? Yeah, man. It looks like it's going to be some action packs. Oh, yeah. Some shooting, some gunfire. All right. Uh, so I'm looking forward themes. to it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, We're we about to hit the gas pedal because, like you said, we only got four more episodes left and we got to make these count. Yeah, um, and usually around even episode seven or eight, something big happens. Yep. I think episode oh, yeah. eight normally something big happens. You got a, You got a wild prediction for seven or eight? Uh I don't, I don't know. I mean, I was trying to see who that was with that laser so- the somebody had like a laser scope. I don't know what's going on. It one looked one. like a it, it looked it was like a two woman. people and I think one of them was a woman. Yeah, but I was like who's that with that big hair? Cuz yeah. the only one with big hair on the show is really Carrie. Um, or or it could have like I was like there's no way it's Diana cuz sometimes she wears her hair Oh, out maybe like that too. but, she, but she, we have like, never no seen Diana get dirty like that. We have never yeah, seen her. No she, way. Gunplay. So all of a sudden yeah. I've heard her have a, a fucking you know, AR, I doubt, I doubt that's what it is. But we're going to see. I'm ready, I'm ready for, um, like I said, it, they had a good mid finale to help us get through those three weeks. And I think they came back with a strong episode. You got to come back with strong when you're taking these big breaks. You can't take a big break and then also come back with something dull. And they did it. They set up a lot of pieces. Uh, I'm still also loving the fact that I know this is Tariq's show, but I love how they're getting the Tahada family more and more involved. We're getting a lot more dynamics from them and a lot more storylines directly related to them that's independent of Tariq. Um and, and I think, you know, we get it, Tariq is the is, is the is the catalyst of the show, but I like how they they're they really making a a real ensemble. And it's not just really based off one person and everybody's dealing with this person. They you know they they, they they don't they don't make this person the center of the universe. They also have interactions with each other and other people that make them well balanced and uh well rounded um characters. So I am I'm, I'm enjoying what they're doing with season two. Um. so I'm just ready I'm ready for more same here that it can only get wilder now that the, the board has changed and uh, we're also racing against the clock because people got money to make and they got to figure out what they're going to do about Lorenzo um, but yeah that next episode does look wild and we will be here that following week to, to go over with you guys so you know as always hit us up let us know what you think like Share, comment, all that good stuff. Uh, would you like to tell the people where they can find you, sir? Just look for the POP podcast wherever you can. <laughs> right. Probably show up. You never know. And you can search off off the clock podcast, O F F T H A, clock podcast, wherever you'd like to search. put it in Google. See, let me know what happens. All right. So, as always, I'm one half your host, Triple D, and he is Carlos D. We'll see you guys next time.